Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for the privilege of letting me speak the first evening service of the decade. It's significant. If you're here tonight, I really feel like God has set you apart and you're here for for a purpose. God has business he wants to do with you tonight. I'm excited about it. Roger, thank you for setting this up before I even preached the other preach that I did. (laughs) Before I preached, Roger set this up, and he didn't even know how I was going to do in the last preach that I did, but I think it just speaks of you laying your life down to champion for other people and setting a platform for people to mess up if they need to mess up, but it it might cost you, but I feel so honored um, for you believing in me, so thank you, Raj. Um, I got the privilege of going away on holiday, um, and I'm a busy person, so the rest that came in December was significant, and our family went away. And while I was away, I I spent a couple nights just being woken up by the Holy Spirit to pray, and um, I was just like dreams and angels in my sleep, and it 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 was a little bit radical. As what Ross was saying, like, maybe, like, this is, this is distracting from the rest you're supposed to be having right now, Scott. Like, the first couple nights of, of holiday was, was epic. But God gave me this really clear picture for Hillside, and he, he gave me a picture of, of a banquet table in the front of this, of this auditorium. And a whole bunch of us were standing along the outside of the wall, and we were so excited about it. And there was a massive turkey in the middle, and there was grapes and figs and dates, and it was it was. It was exquisite. And we were taking pictures. And then I took, I, I, I broke away. And I ran as fast as I could to the front. And I just grabbed the leg of a turkey. I put it in my mouth and I, I bit it and I ran out. And everyone was cheering and cheering me on. And I went and I stood at the back and, and I was just like, my heart was racing. And, um, and I felt God say, but Sky, there's, there's, there's chairs. And everybody's saying, Sky, you're amazing. You went up there and you tasted of, you tasted the feast and you tasted of the goodness of God and, and you experienced his presence. And, I'm, and God is saying, but Sky, there's, there's chairs for you to sit at my table. There's chairs for you to stay and linger a while. There's more. You can feast. You can feast. And I really feel like that was a prophetic picture for Hillside in this time and a prophetic picture for me in my own life and, and maybe the areas of where I thought I've had breakthrough, but that there's more for me and, and I need to stay a little bit longer. And it reminded me while I was away of a video that Chanel made about two years ago, we had this exhibition and she just made it for us. Um, God just really gave her this, this vision and picture and I like helped to make it happen. And a lot of you sitting here tonight are actually in this video, but I really feel like it's significant. And um, Chanel said that I could use it tonight. So um, we're gonna turn the lights off first. And then um, if I could have two strong men help me move this table to the front while this video is playing, that would be so helpful. Awesome. So I think that video is really powerful. um, And it was beautiful to see some familiar faces as well. I think that makes it even more powerful, hey, when you know people in the video. The title of my message tonight is The Table. And... um, the kingdom of God is like a feast. And uh, Ross and I often talk about it. How do we want our kids to experience the kingdom of God? How do we want our kids to experience the church and faith? 
and um, some of the, the old stereotypical things that some of us had to push through where it was a little bit boring or we had to sit in the back and play while our parents worshipped or um, our parents had to leave us and go do ministry. And I don't know, I don't know if any of you have experienced some of that, but those are some of my childhood memories of, of what faith is like and what the kingdom of God is like. And I've, I've had to break a couple of those. But for my kids, I, I want them to experience the kingdom of God like a feast. I want them to experience the kingdom of God at, at my table. And God has given me and Ross this revelation for years and years. And, and, I, and I, it just keeps coming back. But I really feel like um, that the kingdom of God is a feast. And I, and I want to encourage you, if you've got kids, to include them in meals and include them in talking about Jesus around the table so that they can start to associate the kingdom of God with a feast. Because I think it's really significant. The table speaks of grace and meals embody grace. Grace, the definition of grace is kindness shown to someone who doesn't deserve it and they cannot earn it and they could never repay it. They don't deserve it, they cannot earn it and they can never repay it. When I first started uh, dating Ross, I was a student and I was pretty broke and um, his parents would invite me to like birthday dinners and I would go with them and I'd open the menu at these fancy restaurants and I would just look at the price. And then, and then I'd, I'd say, I'll just have this based on like what I knew I could pay for myself at these restaurants. And some of the restaurants didn't even have prices. It was like SQ, SQ. And I was like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do if I have to pay this bill? And slowly but surely, I started to understand the culture of Ross's family. And I started to understand Ross's father's heart. And he's one of the most generous men you'll ever meet. But I started to realize that I was never going to be asked to pay. Um, and Ross, I started to watch him. I'll have starters. I'll also have what type of steak? What's the biggest type of steak? I'll have that one. I'll have, a red, can I have two red grape tazas and then a cappuccino with my dessert. <laughs> and I started to realize that that's the culture and his family and his dad wants to lavish on his kids. And um, Ross and I, <laughs> we would go away to New York and we would go with the family and we'd split up and do our own thing and we would go and we'd have our money and we'd go and be like, okay, we'll share a slice of pizza and a bottle of water. And then we'd meet up with the family and be like, oh, we're having lunch. And then we'd meet up with them and we'd be like, oh, can you just bring a bottle of sparkling water for the table? And then can you just bring us your starter? Just a couple of things to snack on while we're deciding. Like, because we started to understand the culture. And I think this speaks of our Heavenly Father. God is throwing an elaborate feast. Revelations 19 speaks about this feast. I really, my prayer tonight is that we would come and we wouldn't just meet a man, but we would meet the Son of Man. And in, um, in the New Testament, it speaks about the Son of Man coming for a couple of different reasons. In Mark 10, it says the Son of Man came to serve and give his life. That's a statement of purpose. He came to serve and give his life. In Luke 19, it says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's a purpose. It's a statement of purpose. He came to seek and he came to save. And in Luke 7, verse 34, it says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. That's a statement of method. Jesus' method was to eat and to drink. In Matthew 11, verses 9, it speaks about Jesus being called a glutton, a friend of sinners, he ate in excess. He lived a life in excess. The most of um, Luke, which I'm reading through at the moment, Jesus is either coming from a meal in someone's home or he's going to a meal in someone's home or he's 
being encountered or encountering somebody over a meal. Jesus' ministry is laced with a feast and the idea of table. And another thing, just, just a, a little hook that I, I wanted to mention tonight is Jesus didn't have a restaurant called The Table where people came. People opened up their homes to Jesus. And um, that's an opportunity, I think, for us tonight to open up our homes to people. I think if we're going into the season of evangelism in our church, people are infinitely variable. <laughs> There's, we can understand culture, we can understand generations. Oh, I'm preaching for a millennial. Hello, boomers. I'm preaching for boomers. <laughs> but people are infinitely variable, and, and sitting down at a table with people and understanding them and understanding their heart, something significant can happen. And I, I really believe that the gospel can be shared in, in, in that place really powerfully. I've, I've experienced it in my own home. Another just example in Luke 5, verses 27, Levi leaves everything to follow the Lord. And he says to Jesus, what now? What now, Lord? And he says, what does he say? Come eat. <laughs> Jesus says, come and eat. But the main story I really want to focus on tonight about around the idea of a feast is the story of Mephibosheth. How's that for a name? I was all about name, biblical names for my kids. My first son was Malachi. I was dead set on my second son being Noah or Ezra or Zion. And Ross just said, it's Max. <laughs> but I think if I'd gone to him with Mephibosheth, he might have changed his mind. In 2 Samuel verses 9, you pick up the story of Nephibosheth, and we all know Saul was king, and his son Jonathan was best friends with David, and they, were, they made a covenant together, and Jonathan was actually stood to inherit all of the kingdom from his father, but he knew that David was going to be king. And um, they made a promise to one another that, that, that David would always look after Jonathan and his family. And, and in the battle, Saul and Jonathan died on the same day. And the nurse heard about the political unrest and what was happening, and she took Jonathan's son, Nephibosheth, and she fleed with him out of the, the house. And, and when she was running with him, she fell. And he broke his legs and became lame, and he lived his life lame. And David took over rule of the land, and, and a little while later, he, he wanted to find out who was left from his friend Jonathan, who, who's left from the old God. And normally when a new king would come and he'd say, who's left of the old God, those people would be really scared because they would wipe out the, the people that they took over from. So he said, who's left of the old God? And they went and they found somebody and they found Nephibosheth who was living in a place and um, he was lame. And they brought him to the king and and... He was full of fear because he, he, he thought he was going to get killed. And, and David restored to him everything from his father. He restored his land, all the sheep, all the things for the land. He restored everything back to him and kept his word to his best friend, Jonathan. But not only did he do that, he also said to Nephibosheth, you will sit and you will eat at my table, at the king's table. I will bestow that honor on you for all the days of your life. And um, isn't that a beautiful picture of the grace of God and, and the access we have? You see, he was broken by no fault of his own. His nurse fell and, and he became lame. And 
And I think some of us also carry some stuff that is, <laughs> isn't our fault. Things have happened to us. People have let us down. Parents, childhood wounds, the world that we live in, things have happened. And by no fault of our own, we're broken. But by nothing that we've done, by nothing that we could repay, we have a seat at the king's table, just like Nefavosheth did. And lameness, the amazing thing about lameness is when you're sitting at a table, the table covers and the connection at the table covers lameness. And I think um, it's such a beautiful picture that, that grace covers and that we have access to the fullness of God when we're seated at the king's table. We can feast. Nephibosheth, actually, his name means shame. And when I was asking God what some of us might have been broken with or what some of us, what's stopping some of us, why are we standing at the periphery in my prophetic picture of, of the church and not accessing the fullness that God has for us, why are we disqualifying ourselves? I really felt God highlight that to me, the area of shame. I think some people might have been carrying some shame. Um, and I feel like God wants to highlight that tonight and he wants to break that off. The other, the other thing is, um, is busyness. I was listening to a preach this week while I was working. <laughs> Ridiculous hours. <laughs> I've worked really hard this week. I've been thrown in the deep end. But um, Bill Johnson was saying, busyness is artificial significance. And uh, I just wept when I heard that. And I think my whole life is a testament of Mary and Martha, Mary and Martha. I'm, I'm built like a Martha. I just want to work. I love what I do. I work really hard and I love what I do and I believe God has given me this mountain, this industry to take and I'm passionate about it and I'm excited about it, but I'm a Mary. I love sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and just worshiping and, and just no matter the cost, just laying it all down before him. And I, I feel like a pendulum swing between the two, but I feel like, if this isn't necessarily this this particular word isn't necessarily about salvation in terms of having a feet of salvation, but it's in terms of accessing the more of God, accessing the fullness of his presence. I think some of us have become busy, even busy doing the Lord's work. Courses and ministries and 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 things that we're trying to set up and do and people that we're trying to love, but but it's artificial significance. I feel like there's an invitation tonight for us to sit and to linger and to stay. And I think we're going to have access to more. Just like David restored all the inheritance and a seat at the table for Nephibosheth, I really feel like tonight God is going to redeem us of our distractions. He's going to redeem us of our busyness and our artificial significance. And he's going to he set a seat for us at his table. And we can experience his fullness. I'm not going to speak for long tonight because I really want to lead us in an encounter. There's a piece of music that I listen to whenever I'm needing breakthrough. <laughs> Mac Copeland once sent it to me on WhatsApp, and he was like, Sky, have you heard this part, this song? And it just my mind just blew open, and ideas just flew. And I was just like, yeah, Matt, I know this piece. I'm, I'm going to hear it again. And I listen to it again. And, and very often, if I'm stuck in, in business or creatively, I'll put on this piece of music, and I'll, I will just allow God to just take me into heaven. <laughs> um, 
It's really powerful, and I, I, I want to play it for us tonight. And then, before I do that, I just want to read one last Psalms. But then I'm going to get up at the piano with Caleb, and we're going to experience God. We're going to stay a little bit longer. I've made some time in my preach for us to, I've kept it short so that we can stay a little bit longer and see what he does. I really have faith that the presence of God is going to come like it hasn't before. And there's, been, there's, a, there's a ceiling or there's a place that we've got to that we've become comfortable where we, we've walked into God and we've experienced his presence and we've gone, oh, that's good. That's so good. I'm going to go experience my week. But um, there's more for us. And I think our Sunday evening services are going to start looking a little bit different from this meeting onwards. I have faith for it. Psalms 23. You can start playing that song, actually. It's quite long, so I'll lead us in an encounter in the song, but you can start playing it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. In the Message Bible, it says, He allows me to catch my breath. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I just want to pause there. I just want us to all close our eyes. Put your hand on your heart. You can turn it up a bit. In the presence of my enemies, I just want you to picture yourself sitting down at this table. And I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what has been holding me back? What are my enemies? Is it self-doubt, shame, fear, busyness? You set the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Despite those things, there's a seat for me. Despite my brokenness, by no fault of my own, there's a seat for me. So what are those things? Highlight it to me now, Holy Spirit. you to picture that thing that the Holy Spirit has highlighted to you. And I want you to cast it aside, lay it down. And I want you to sit and know that you are covered at the table, filled with mercy and grace. You belong there. There's a place for you. It's been set aside for you.
And Psalm 23 carries on, you anoint my head with oil. <laughs> you anoint my head with oil. My cup, it overflows. My cup, it overflows. Just open your hands where you're sitting right now. Don't turn it down. Don't turn it down. Just open your hands. and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and I will dwell in your house and I will dwell in your house and goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life Caleb you can just start playing Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.